0: Will be hurt that man will fall. Every heart will be light and will be bright when all of God's singers get home. When all of God's singers get home, where never a sorrow will come, there'll be no place like home. When all of God's singers get home, be saved, please. Morning, church. I'm with you, Brian. I need the other pulpit because there's too much stuff. I need to get out this little bitty thing. I'm not sure I to hold this all up. I do want to welcome everyone here today. Hopefully, the message is clear, message from God's Word. I pray that you have open hearts and minds and maybe even we deliver a little heat today, maybe all right. I welcome those uh, that are watching on the internet. Yeah, you up there. I see the camera. I even see they're still in their PJs with the little ducks on them. Sometimes, if I had my choice, I'd like to be in my little penguin PJs and be in bed or on the couch. But we're here, and I'm glad to be here. I've been looking forward to being able to preach again to this group because I love you all, right? Amen. All those out there on the Internet that, that uh, can't be here, I love you. I want you in God's favor. I want you here. It's kind of weird that we have this, this little oxymoron that allows us to do this with the Internet. Probably the two greatest inventions of mankind that have caused the downfall of man is, TV and Internet. So what do we do? We put them together and call it a smart TV. So you can watch all these things online and be able to do things. So maybe there is some good. Hopefully today there is some good. This lesson comes out of a discussion. Family got together a couple of, uh, well, maybe a month ago now. I can't remember. And there's always a theological discussion that comes up. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good, but we always have something we talk about. And my brother-in-law, we we're, were visiting, and he was, he was uh, bemoaning the fact that uh, we had lost uh, Ravi. I always, I always get the, the the last, the first name wrong. Zacharias. We all know who Mr. Zacharias is. He is a, a Christian apologist that passed away roughly about a month ago. Brilliant man, okay? He used $20 words, where I had 10 cents to use, right? And he, he was very well-spoken, very well-educated, was able to approach people and tell them why we believe what we believe. He would travel to across the world and talk to uh, Hindus, Muslims, who, whatever group that would listen to him. He would go and speak to them. And we were around the, the smart TV looking on YouTube and seeing some of his, his uh, debates. They're essentially debates. He would sit there with a couple of men and they they would, you know, professionally debate why the attributes of, of God and Christianity were beneficial to the world, beneficial to man, to mankind. As we we're sitting there watching this, he made a statement, and I just about leaped out of my chair because it was so true that I couldn't believe that he had said it. in in this fashion, he essentially said, I'm paraphrasing, people don't know what sin is. And I, and I sat there, and immediately, to me, the tie was between the Old Testament and what we understand about the gospel, about New Testament, as we call it, Christianity. I'm here to tell you, folks Christianity is not just our understanding of the New Testament, the new covenant brought by Jesus. Okay, sealed with his blood, was the result of everything that happened from Genesis up to the point that he came. And so the title of this lesson may be a misnomer, but it's, What is sin? Apparently, Mr. Zacharias and myself have come to the conclusion that apparently we do not teach what sin is. The world may not know any longer what sin is. Some in this church, some in this building may not know what sin is. I hate to say it, but maybe that is the case. We definitely know it in the world and You know, when you turn the smart TV on and you get all this Christianity message through the TV, I'm sure someone would look at me and say, Chris, Chris, wait, wait, wait. We need more message about grace and forgiveness than we do about sin. But I think that was Mr. Zacharias' point, and it's my point as well. You have to know what sin is. You have to repent, and you consciously have to attempt to stop sinning. But how are you going to do those things if you don't know what sin is? It is so easy to sin. It is like falling down. It is like gravity. These things act upon you and they can just happen. Sometimes, consciously, you do them. Sometimes, maybe they're more subconscious, don't know. But they occur, but how are we going to know? Well, in some people's minds, it doesn't matter. Some profess that it does not matter if you really know what sin is, but you need to know what grace is. Well, I'm not of that camp. Romans chapter 6. and that, Today's passages are, there's a lot of passages, unfortunately, but they're well known, and we read them all the time. But how they apply to what sin, how we look at sin, and how we respond is what's going to make the difference. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Isn't that what the world is saying? Yeah, I might not know what sin is, but as long as I have grace, it's okay. You've heard that message. But what's the response? By no means. Anathema, right? Let it not be so. It can't be so. Because if you don't know what sin is, you will never come to the realization of God and what he's done for you. It is impossible. Let's not depend on grace that it may somehow overflood all the sins that we are doing. We are doing. The world is doing. Let not that be our goal. Anathema, how how can we who died to sin still live in it? Now he's talking about us. How can we that we know what grace does, we know that the mercy of God is upon us when I do sin. How, for some reason, can I keep on sinning? Do we not know? Do we not know what sin is? Fortunately for us, the Lord gave us uh, some instructions. Again, familiar passage. After the Sadducees had their turn at Jesus, the Pharisees turned on him. And they asked him. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great command in the law? The greatest command? Okay? We're all familiar with this passage. And he said to him, you shall love The Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. How long have we known that commandment? We've always known. Okay? We have always known. This is a quote out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, right? We have always known this. But we've always known it from the very beginning. Adam, all I ask is that you follow me. Do what I command you, okay? You and your people. This is the great and first command, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Did Jesus have it wrong? Did he not know what the commandments were? This means yes. He knew what they were. He summed them up perfectly. First, God. Second, your fellow man. You, a distant, distant prospect. That is what the opposite of sin is. And maybe the best way I describe it. If I think about doing something and it's contrary to loving God, and it's contrary to loving my neighbor, most likely it's sin. Sometimes I don't sometimes I need to think about it because I'm not too bright. I need to think will this will this hurt anybody? Will this hurt God? Well, usually we ask it the other way around. Will it hurt my neighbor? Will it hurt somebody first? And then will it hurt God? We even get the questions backwards. Will it hurt God? Well, obviously, yes, if it's anywhere near what we shouldn't be doing. But second, will it hurt my neighbor? So we ask these questions. And the response that he gives, we didn't finish. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus knew the Ten Commandments. Jesus knew all the commandments. But he's saying all that was ever written about... They asked what the greatest command was. What What are they asking? Which one do I have to keep to be right, to be justified, to at one point see God in heaven? That's really the question. Because all these other commands, there's a lot of them, right? Some probably don't apply today as it did in that time. But still, which one do I have to keep? And he responds, well, actually, there's two. And then he says, these two... Everything that was ever spoken, ever prophesied, ever written down, ever passed on depends on these two things how you have a relationship with God and how you have a relationship with your fellow man. Now, Again, grace abounds. Jesus brought that about, okay? Jesus brought the grace that we needed from God here. And God has shown his mercy to all of us. We're all sinners. And I dare say most of us who have sinned have known it. I Yep, that was me. That was my bad, right? Galatians 3.24. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian for in Christ Jesus are, are all sons of God through faith. All that was written in the law, all that was written by the prophets, those were our guardians. you remember when you were young and you had a guardian? Your guardian was most likely a parent, okay? In my case, it was someone else, but they were my legal, well, guardian, right? They were allowed to uh, let me get shots, go to the hospital, get treatment, go to school, all this stuff. The law... As much as we hate to look at it, as New Testament Christians, still defines what sin is. There is nothing new under the sun. It still defines that. As much as we don't like going back and looking at at some of the laws going, oh my goodness, I don't want to do that. Am I being hindered from doing this? It's almost all there. If you ask me the question, what is sin? I can tell you, let's look at the law and it'll probably tell us what it is. What you feel or the outcome. It's there. Amen. We are no longer under a guardian. But you know what the scary thought of that statement is? Who essentially is our guardian now? Think about this. Our guardian now relies on what I think sin is. catch that? I'd almost rather have the law to tell me what sin is because if I have to determine what sin is, I surely are going to lean into my favor. Aren't I? I'm going to say, well, it's justified because I need it. It's justified because my kids need it. It's justified because I think it's better. Now, myself, with the help of the Holy Spirit, are trying to determine in my mind, in my heart, how I put God first and how I put man first relative to what I want to do. Isn't that enormous? When you go out in the world, did Jesus ever tell us? When you you think about this, and people are looking at me funny, did Jesus ever tell you what sin is? He didn't have to. He says, You've got the law, do it. That's what he's just told us. We no longer need the we no longer need the law because we should know what sin is so that we don't do it. That we walk by faith in what we know and in him that we don't sin. I'm gonna to turn to Deuteronomy chapter five. That's where the Ten Commandments are. Deuteronomy chapter five. You know we're we're all we've seen them, we've read them, we've seen them posted, we have them in our homes. Um, no other gods before me, no idols. Uh, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Observe the Sabbath. Whoops. We like the first three. That one about the Sabbath. What's it about? The Sabbath, right? Seventh day God rested. If you had stopped there, it would have been difficult. But what does he say? No, so you can remember also the Passover. Right? This means yes. Um, that your male servant female servant may rest as well. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. It was a memorial. You keep it because God did this great thing. Well, two great things. Once he created and rested, and second, we had the Passover. The two great things to memorialize these, so to keep the Sabbath. Do we keep the Sabbath today? It's a trick question. We keep a memorial today, do we not? Do we not do this in remembrance of whom? Him. We no longer need the memorial of the Sabbath that was performed with the the Passover, performed with Egypt, because we have the Passover lamb that performed it for all of us. And we still keep the memorial, but we just don't call it the Sabbath. I'll let you think on that one. So it's not like we're not doing it. We're still doing them. These others that we look at, um, honor your father and mother. Okay? It is good because it will bring you days. It'll lengthen your life is what it says. For my fellow man, all the good that I can do stems from following my father and mother. We'll get a little bit more into that. You shall not murder. You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Coveting. You shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, or his male servant, or his female servant, his ox, or his uh, his donkey, or anything that is in your neighbor's. Let me give you an example of how easy this one is. A few months ago, we planted some fruit trees out in the backyard, okay? We were happy. Fruit trees. One of these days, we're going to get fruit from these trees, It'll probably be a year from now that they'll they'll actually put on and we'll be able to pick it and enjoy it. Well, a week later, the neighbor, right across the fence from the fruit trees, plants a little plot of tomato plants. Now, I'm not particularly fond of tomatoes in terms of I'll die without them. But if the wife was to ask me, run to the store and get me one tomato so I can make this recipe, I'm going to say, I'm not spending the gas money to go get one tomato to make this recipe. Not doing it. She knows I won't do it. She's not going to ask me to get the one tomato. But I looked over there, and I saw those tomato plants that she planted in that little garden. And I was beginning to get jealous that this woman had tomato plants over there on the other side of the fence. And over the months, I noticed it started producing little green tomatoes where my plants weren't doing anything yet, right? My trees aren't doing anything yet. Putting on little green tomatoes. And these little green tomatoes started getting bigger and bigger. Now they're changing color. Every day I look out my window and look at those plants Oh, those are going to be nice tomatoes. Every day they get better and better looking. I don't even like tomatoes all that much. They get better looking. And one day they're going to be red and juicy and, and oh, they're going to be good. See how that coveting starts? Every day I see them. And it may drive me to break another commandment. Do not steal. Because they're right within reach of the fence. That's how easy it is. Amen. Now, you can apply that to your neighbor's car, your neighbor's house, your neighbor's finances, your neighbor's whatever. He may have the best looking chickens on the in the neighborhood. I don't know. Don't let it happen to you. Know what sin is, and let's cut it off. Let's get it out. But we have to know what it is. Oh, there's just the law. As much as we uh, we read it and. Maybe we get confused with all this, you know, oh, there's this legalistic stuff in there, really. Right? This means, yes, we, we, you know, you've been in your Bible reading, got to this chapter go, oh, no. I got to read all this weird stuff. Don't take your neighbor's camel on a a Saturday, I don't know, whatever. Just, it just, it seems strange at times. But then we get to some of these that maybe, maybe not so strange. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 19. You shall not move your neighbor's landmark. Well, any of you in here ever had a dispute over a fence? Ever you ever had a dispute over where something sits on this piece of property? Hmm. You shall not. It sounds like a sin. If you do, am I reading it wrong? I don't think so. There's all. There's all of these in here that sometimes we just don't like. Here's one. This one's sad. Here's a sad one. We don't. We don't like reading this in today's society. We. I'm surprised we're not banned from reading this one, okay? But it's a sin. It is not just. It is not godly. Deuteronomy 21, If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and through the, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them. Then his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city and the gay of the place where he lives. They shall say to the elders of his city, this our son is stubborn and rebellious and will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all of the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Is that a sad one to you? It's a sad one to me. I could have been dragged out to the edge of the city and stoned at one point in my life. Not so much anymore. And I understand God. I understand now that it's a sin. I deserve death because it's ungodly. And it's not in favor of my fellow man. Young people, I, I hate to tell you, it's a sin not to obey your parents. It's a horrible thing to be caught up in the consequences of not obeying your parents. You think I can, you know, I I still have a young mind. My my body's not so young anymore, but I still have a young mind. I know better. If I do what I want to do, it'll be so much funner and, and the cool kids will like me and all kinds of stuff. But still... If you don't obey your parents, the consequences could be death. At this time, it was physical, possibly spiritual, and now it still could be a spiritual consequence. It's tough, tough to hear and to know what sin is. There's more. Uh, Twenty-two, Chapter 22, you should not see your brother's ox or his sheep go astray and ignore them. What? You get what that's saying? If something is wrong with your brother's things, don't ignore them. Don't say, oh, brother, oh, by the way, I saw your, your ox and your camel run away about 30 miles back. If you want them, you should go get them. He's saying, don't do that. Go get them. Bring it to his attention. Restore your brother's property to him. Restore your brother to himself. That's a good lesson we need in the church. Something is amiss. Something is straying I need to bring you back. I'm not going to ignore it. If it's property or sin or something that's happening in your life, I shouldn't let you walk away and not tell you about it. There's, we, I mean, we'd be here all day. Chapter 22, verse 5, a woman should not, oh, see, this is another one. They're probably, I'm surprised they've not been taken out of Bibles lately. A woman should not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on woman's cloak. For whoever does these things is abomination to the Lord. Unpopular statements that are still sin. No way around. Do we know what sin is? Well, if you turn to, uh, we're going to be in Romans a little bit. Romans chapter 1. So they were without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. That sounds like commandment number one. Honor him as God. Amen. Or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images Resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things, so now we're to idolatry, right, and to to other stuff as well. But you see, the sin is there. It may not be spelled out one through ten, but it's here. They put God away from them. That is sin. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, dishonor of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the, crea- uh, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for, other, for that that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up the natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in their selves the due penalty for their error. I don't know if it can be clear. It's sin. But do it. But, but. I know a good friend. He's so nice. I know a family member. You know, he wants to do the right thing, but. It's sin, people. It hurts. It does nothing to edify God. It does nothing, frankly, to edify man. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, gave them, God gave them up to the debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy murder, strife, deceit, malicious. They're gossips. Gossips. That hurts, doesn't it? Bud says it hurts. I agree. And it's sin. It doesn't need to be anywhere near the congregation of the Lord. Amen. It doesn't need to be anywhere near you, your neighbor, your loved ones, or those you don't even know. Because it's not right. And it's sinful in the eyes of God. Slanderers. Haters of God. Insolent, haughty, boastful. Inventors of evil. Disobedient to parents. Foolish, Faithless. Whoa, faithless. Faithless? Sometimes my faith gets weak. We shouldn't let it. Because God is God. Especially when we want to abandon it. Heartless, ruthless, though they knew God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They knew the law. They knew what was right and what was wrong. They deserved to die. And it was all written out for them. They all understood it, and they deserved it. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. You can't turn on that smart TV. Turn it to the news. Turn it to your favorite uh, news channel on the internet. You cannot. And not somebody being despised for not allowing sin to occur in this world. It's sin. Romans 13, a few chapters over. And again, this is what the world doesn't want to hear. It doesn't want, us, it doesn't want a list of commandments. See, we're past that. We don't want that. We want, we want the message, again, of grace and forgiveness. We don't want you to bring up our sins. That's the last thing we want. And we especially don't want them spelled out. Like this. Romans 13, verse 8 Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law for the commandments you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment, all summed up in the word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore, Love is the fulfilling of the law. Amen. But Chris, but Chris, I thought that the, the law was done away with. No. The law was fulfilled to the point that it was modified, if you will. It was a new version came out, right? Remember when you were in school, uh, and a new version of a book would come out, and you'd have to get that new book, right? Now, the old book taught algebra. The new book teaches algebra. Could we learn algebra from the old book? Yes. But we have a new style. We have a new format. You know, the printer needs new money. but the law still has the content that allows us to determine what sin is. It, had ha- it, allow- it has the contents to allow us to know what grace is. Amen. It is all there. So loving your God and loving your neighbor, we can fall into the trap of The Good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan, right? We can fall into that trap. Who is my neighbor? Is it that guy down the street that doesn't take care of his yard? Is it the guy down the street who roars down my street with his, uh, I don't know, four-wheeler making noise, all kinds of stuff every day? Is it that neighbor that constantly throws his trash, leaves his trash all over and blows into my yard? Is that my neighbor? Is it my neighbor who at Walmart points you out because you're not wearing a mask? Times will tell. But to my fellow human being, my neighbor, fulfilling the law, not sinning, is loving him. We can have that discussion all day about who's my neighbor. It's a tough one. Sometimes it's my brother. Sometimes it's my sister. Sometimes it's my spouse. We're going to, let's see. Colossians 3, we're going to end with the scripture that we read. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Do you notice that? It's not because of grace that the wrath is coming. It's because of the sin that the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked, believe me, I once walked, but now there's God and my neighbor, and I consciously have to put the effort to decide what I'm going to do. Sometimes it becomes an easy practice. Sometimes it's not. When you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk to your mouth, do not lie to one another. When we have disagreements, when we have this he said, she said, he shed, said moments, Know what the truth is and don't lie. And it applies in every situation. I could lie because it would be beneficial. I could lie because it wouldn't hurt anybody. I'm here to tell you a lie is going to hurt someone. They're seeing that you put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of his creator Renewed in the image of the creator. How beautiful is that? To know that we follow God and promote our fellow man that we will attain to the image. We already created in the image, but at some point we will be in the presence of God and God will know us by the image that he has created us in. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. There's no one that he's going to leave out. Christ died for all of us. I don't care what you look like. Does that have meaning in today's society? I don't care what you look like. I don't care what your color is. I don't care what your background is. I don't care if you're educated or not. I don't care if you have sinned. What I want to do is help save you from sinning. I want you to have that personal relationship with God. Keep the two commandments. Everything else is sin. Back in Galatians 3. Why then the law? It was added because of our transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise is made and has put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary applies to more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. The teachings of how and what sin is, is not contrary to God. Don't let anybody tell you that. For it is the law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law, but the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male nor female. For you are all in one, Christ Jesus, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring's heirs according to the promise. And that's what I'm going to leave with today. If you want to be an heir of God, it's not that I have to walk above everything else and not sin. Because you're going to sin. You just have to know what it is and consciously avoid it with the help of the Spirit. And the way you get that Spirit is through faith in Jesus Christ and putting Him on in baptism. Put Him on and know that the Spirit is with you so you can help identify those things. So that you don't find, that you don't actually fall into a trap. That you consciously or unconsciously know what sin is, so you 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 it can't persuade you, because that Satan he's he's wanting to devour you. But the good news is, again, fellow wares, this is the time. This is the time. Know what sin is, repent, and put it behind you. If you have reason to respond, please come as we stand and sing.